Hey everyone and welcome back to a new podcast on this very channel. It's the Both World Tarantula podcast. This time, full solo. There is no co-host. Cat from Tarantula Cat is not present today. So if you're a big fan of her, or generally on the whole Both World Tarantula idea that these two Both Worlds collide and we have these discussions, today is not your day because today you'll only hear my voice and my stories. It's sad, I know. So the first thing you should do is actually go to one of her social media outlets like TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and leave a comment or send her a message that she should come back to the podcast so we can have more fun talks together. So I just thought about inviting a guest, but that's not something I'm going to do because I think yeah, she's the co-host and we will only invite guests when she is present as well. So this is a full solo episode and we have different topics today. You can listen to if you want to. Maybe you're commuting to work, maybe you drive to a friend's place or you just want to listen to some tarantula related topics. So I'm here for you. I got you there and um, some of the things will be some ups and downs in all things tarantula related on my end from the last couple of weeks, but also some science update news. So what kind of species are newly described? Is there a new genus? Do I have to relabel something on my tanks? And also I have prepared a short little list, which is called the top five lost tarantulas in the hobby, which is basically not a top five list because I could only come up with three different at least groups of tarantula spiders we no longer have in the hobby. So this might be of interest. These different things we are going to talk about. And now let's just roll with the podcast. So we are starting with the elephant in the room. For those of you who know that I have scientifically worked on and still scientifically working with tarantula spiders, know for a fact that the latest publication in 2022, which came out in February from two Brazilian researchers uh, regarding Tapinogenius, Psalmopeus and Pseudoclamoris, is something which I might not be a huge fan of, because basically the genus Pseudoclamoris, which I erected in 2018 to accommodate the group of spiders within uh, the genus Tapinogenius, who have this special feature, uh, which almost looks like a stridulation organ, um, is now invalid. It's no longer valid. And not only that, but the species Tapinogenius gigas, which I put in the genus Pseudoclamoris and made it to the type specimen of, and not only specimen, but species of the genus Pseudoclamoris, so Pseudoclamoris gigas is no longer Pseudoclamoris gigas because it got synonymized with Tapinogenius plumipes, which is a totally different spider. So you think you now have to relabel your tanks to this newly called genus Amazonius, but there is no Amazonius gigas because it got synonymized with Tapinogenius plumipes you don't have the red arboreal tarantula from French Guyana at your place 
you can't call it Amazonius Gigas. The name you're searching for is Amazonius Germani, which is a new species they described. Because allegedly the types of Tapinarinius plumipes and the ones from Tapinarinius gigas, the female which is stored in Paris in France, are synonymous and the male specimen which is deposited in Frankfurt is actually a new species and not the same. So you can relabel your Pseudoclamoris gigas into Amazonius germani. Hope you could follow that. I'm pretty sure there will be tons of videos out there shortly or other talks. What I can say on my end is that I'm not going to publicly comment anything in this paper. It is a peer-reviewed science article from two researchers. It got checked independently, hence the peer review, and therefore all their findings are valid until proven different or wrong. So you might know what my next steps will be or steps from other colleagues who got like three of their Psalmopeus species synonymized with Psalmopeus victori, for example, Psalmopeus coponensis, petenensis and Sandersoni just all got renamed Psalmopeus uh, victorian synonymized without even looking at the type material. Nevertheless, the renaming of species is one thing, but regarding this publication, the most important part for the whole hobby is actually that Tapinagenius violaceus is no longer a valid species. It also got synonymized with Tapinagenius plumipes. And now, this is the key point that you should not relabel your tanks from Tapinagenius violaceus to Tapinagenius plumipes. If you have a Tapinagenius violaceus back at your place, just leave it as it is. There will be further research done on this species for sure, and it is for sure not the same species as Tapinagenius plumipes, and it would be a huge bummer if this whole population of Tapinagenius violaceus got mixed with the plumipes stock we have in the hobby. So yeah, just keep that separate. Do not relabel your violaceus to plumipes. For all the other findings, you're basically free to do. You can use or should use actually the new genus. So Pseudoclamoris is no longer valid until proven different or wrong. And your Pseudoclamoris gigas is now a Amazonius germani. Amazonius elenae is the one which is called Pseudoclamoris elenae before. And Pseudoclamoris burgessi is now Amazonius burgessi. We also have another new species from this new genus. So Amazonius giovannini is actually one we don't have yet in the hobby. It's mainly yeah, living in Brazil itself, but it could be that some specimens actually fit more into the description of Giovannini as to Burgessi. So this will be shown in the near future, probably from some people in the hobby who compare uh, their material, they have the pet trade material with these uh, descriptions of species. 
So for the next species, you've all heard it on other podcasts before, probably seen some videos on it, the Ornithoctoninae species Mai Hong Son, the bamboo tarantula from Thailand, just got its name in the early 2022. It's like the first new tarantula species of the year. Uh, four different authors from Thailand actually described this one. Congrats to the authors and happy relabeling for all of you who got this amazing bamboo inhabiting tarantula in the hobby. This is one we have for over eight years. It's probably nothing new for all of us who are really into Asian species and uh, nevertheless great to finally have a name on it. It's a rare case. I know an all ornithoctonina, the whole subfamily, is worked on hard. Um, Hopefully we'll see some publications in the near future. I'm pretty sure that will happen soon enough. So that was it from all the science news and the personal elephant in the room. I hope you get your chit chat going on now because now we will head over to our list, the top five list of lost tarantulas in the hobby because it's not always the case that when someone brings in a new tarantula species that we can actually breed them forever. Sometimes we just don't have that many specimens out there. It's hard to get breeding groups going on, but sometimes it's also hard to breed them because, yeah, there is not much known about the species. Natural history data is rare, so sometimes people end up with like 5 to 15 adult specimens of male and female, and they still are not able to breed them long enough, like over different generations, to fulfill the whole demand and yeah it's just not not working so top five number one it's also one of my favorite tarantulas but sadly since the exports stopped from this african country and it's just impossible to find male and female this is one of the species which i consider lost i know it's debatable and we will debate about it it is the Oikratoscelus pachypus. It is a species from Tanzania, which got exported in huge numbers in 1980, 1985, 1990, where it then got scientifically described. So easily 30 years ago, this species was present as wild-caught specimens and yeah, just you were able to buy them. And now it is very rare because... Essentially, there are no viable breeding groups out there. And this is also because of the fact that the size difference in adult males and adult females is just enormous. Like the African tarantulas have one of the biggest size differences anyway. Like if you look at the Augacephalus species from South Africa, Augacephalus unodi, Augacephalus ezendami, these two species of baboon tarantulas, their males are just so tiny in compared to the huge adult females um, you see in the wild, specifically the ones you, you see and encounter in the wild. So one of the problems I think we have is with this Oikratoscelus pachypus from, from Tanzania is that when they were collecting these tarantulas, they were searching for these burrows on the ground and they were flooding the spiders out or they were tickling the spiders out or just dig them out, whatever was easier. I don't know how they harvested them 
it's probably not that ethical anyway. So they grabbed all these adult females, but the male specimen or the male counterpart within this species was just so tiny that they it, it was not in the same category for them to collect, to think about collecting spiders that small. So essentially they would have needed to collect juvenile specimens at a much smaller size to collect subadult males. And that just basically almost never happened. Now we come to the debatable part because I know there are specimens, adult females still present in collections in Europe and also in the US. And I have seen pictures very recently, I think the end of uh, last year to 21, that new experts were coming from the region where they are living, like Kenya and Tanzania. And some people just got new stock. And I really, really hope that someone is able to breed this species in a sustainable way. Now, I cannot talk about the sustainable way on how they got here. We have no idea how they were collected, how they were exported. But I hope that the people who got their hands on, it's Europe again, that they will breed this species for many generations in their own room before they start selling them. Because that is one of the many things most of us really don't understand, that to establish a species in the hobby, it is vital and necessary that you can breed them for many generations before actually selling any offspring. Because now think about it, you have a pair or you have two or three pairs and you breed them successfully and you get an egg sac from them and you have 100, 200 babies times three or whatever, then you're to three to 600 little spiderlings. But that's not enough for most species to survive in the hobby to live a sustainable life as a tarantula species in the hobby, you just need to breed more and you need to give adult females and subadult males to people you can trust to also breed with them in a sustainable way for or in the upcoming uh, future. So I really hope that that happens with this African species and maybe with some of the next one because now let us just head over to the second uh, species. Well, let's just, if you Google E. Paripus, it is the, I have to look it up actually, the, the English common name, but it's somewhat the stout legged baboon tarantula. And it's just remarkable looking. Um, the fourth pair of the leg is actually just very fluffy looking. And uh, if you're looking for a similar species in its appearance than the Pelinobius muticus, the king baboon tarantula, would be a viable alternative. But uh, let's now move to the second species of tarantulas lost in the hobby or pet trade, which is a whole group of, of spiders. And uh, you've maybe never heard of them before, but the continent of Australia does have telephosids. It does have tarantulas native to Australia. And as you all know, ter 
Australia itself is very restrictive with exporting flora and fauna, wildlife, plants, everything is under control and very restrictive. So also tarantulas. And I think it was 2008 where a local Australian breeder was able to breed Australian tarantulas for, I would say it was two generations or at least one generation so that he was able to prove to the Australian government that he was able to successfully breed tarantulas in captivity, that he got the yeah, permit to legally export them to US and Europe. And that was crazy. I can still remember it as it was have been yesterday, where for the first time in Europe, it was possible to buy or to, to get your hands on Australian tarantulas. Even though most of them are just black or brown or brown with black or 50 shades of black, they have this amazing attitude and this robust appearance of just an amazing group of spiders, um, all from the subfamily of the Selenocosminae. And yeah, it was a great, great time back then. And since then, I think all of the hobby stock vanished. I think no one really made the effort to sustainably breed these brown tarantulas from overseas. Because maybe someone, or we all thought that, well, they exported once, why wouldn't they export a second time or a third time? And now I'm not even sure if he was able to export a second time, but I'm pretty sure he was never allowed or able to export a third time. So since then, since back in the days, 10, 12 years now, um, there was no legal export of Australian tarantulas anymore, which was just sad. I still remember the Coremiognemics tropics, for example, with this amazing loud rattlesnake stridulation, uh, which, which they can do when they were in defense mode. And um, just, just amazing. There were other uh, tarantulas like the Selenocosminea PQ118 or something, like they had these amazing um, like naming conventions. Yeah, never mind. If you like, just go to Google, type in Australian Terraphosids, Australian Selenocosminae, and check out some pictures. I know uh, Chris Allen, I think, from the US has some amazing pictures on them where he raised or has raised a lot of the slings which were imported back in the days into the US. So I think these pictures will be our only reminder to the greatness of these uh, Australian Terravosids for a very long time. Now a short reminder, I know I already asked to send Kat some messages regarding the podcast. But maybe if you have recommendations or topic ideas on what we could talk on the podcast, maybe topics you would like to have our opinion on, just send us a message on either Instagram. I think my Instagram, the messages at least, are emptier than the ones from Kat. So feel free to send me the message uh, my way or also just additional thoughts, additional species, which should be on this top five list. I told you I have only three different groups. 
So there would be room for another two species at least to have on this list of the top five species lost in the tarantula hobby. And we are now coming to the third one, which would be, I end at least, the whole genus or group of Aviculadia. The pink-toed tarantulas from South America are actually one of the species or, or at least genus which I think a lot of information and different groups of species got lost in the last couple of years. Earlier in the days, like 10-15 years ago, there were so many different populations of different Aviculadia species or at least different looking Aviculadia species that it was almost impossible to have all of them. Like there was an Aviculadia species Santa Mission Moonlight, for example, or an Aviculadia species Riberalta from Bolivia. And no one actually knew, first of all, is the location uh, correct? And second of all, no one knew if they are even the same or not. And in 2017, some researchers worked on this group of spiders and they made a revision. And they were, for the first time, were grouping uh, species together and also based or introduced different morphotypes. And since then, since 2017, I think the diversity of different Aviculadia populations, or let's just call them Aviculadia optical distinguishable tarantula, pet tarantula populations, <laughs> just drastically decreased. Like, so many of us just renamed our Aviculadia to, oh, this is Aviculadia, Aviculadia morphotype 2 now, because it was named uh, Riberalta Bolivia and morphotype 6 is from Bolivia and therefore it is my new morphotype species now. So I know that the whole morphotype thing, it, it sounds cool and you can say, hey, well, I have a morphotype. But in the end, I think it really hurt the, the hobby because previously we just had these different lines of aviculadia and some of them had more blue hair and other had white tips on the hair and these ones had more red hair on the abdomen and the fourth leg anyway it was more an optical differentiation and of course no valid differentiation for on species level i think that's pretty clear that the the optics or the look of a spider uh, doesn't mean anything when it comes to morphological traits or or classification within the the taxonomical or or systematic aspect of it but for the hobby, it really didn't matter. Like, I, I, I would like to, if I could, I would compare it to the freshwater fish aquaristic uh, hobby people where they just, yeah, import different groups of freshwater fish and uh, assign them numbers and just keep these numbered lines pure so that you know if you buy number 113 you know okay the origin was uh, Bolivia and it is just the purest form you could get but in the hobby or at least the tarantula hobby we then got to a point where you accidentally mixed up your aviculadio and I don't say it was better 
before, or I don't say, well, the publication made a huge mess in the hobby. I don't say anything of that, but I just think that we have lost many distinctive avicularia types, or now called morphotypes, in the hobby in the past few years. And uh, that's why I have included it into our top five list, which only has three different uh, species or, or genus groups in it. So that was a special episode. I hope you've enjoyed it somewhat. I somewhat enjoyed it. It was really an awkward kind of recording because now the camera is not running. It's different when you record a YouTube video as well. But I didn't prepare that much, actually. And I hope that all the things which I just yeah, talked more or less freely about are of interest and hopefully made your journey to your destination or your early morning coffee or, I don't know, evening tea a little bit better. So thanks for listening. Leave us a recommendation or a five-star rating on the episode or on the podcast. Go to Kat, send her a message and just enjoy the rest of the week and stay healthy. And yeah, that's all I can say. See you next week, hopefully.